All right, let's have our Bible reading. And our Bible reading is going to be from the book of Ezekiel. Uh, a little bit about Ezekiel before we read this. Uh, Israel were exiled in Babylon. Uh, they had rebelled against the Lord, gone completely against him. They'd broken his covenant again and again. God had sent prophet after prophet after prophet to turn them back to him and the covenant. They killed the prophets and they would have nothing to do with it. So in judgment, God sent them away from their promised land, their holy land and their holy city to a place far, far away in Babylon. The Babylonian army came in and destroyed Jerusalem and much of the land and carted off the Israelites to Babylon. And that's where they were. And as the psalmist said, they had to hang their harps on a willow for they could not sing the Lord's song in a strange land. So Israel were exiled in Babylon and they were grieving. They were grieving for home. They longed to get back to their temple and their holy city in Jerusalem. Even though it was destroyed, they longed to get back there to do what they could to rebuild. So there in Babylon, they are in a terrible condition of despair and dismay. They brought this on themselves and they're totally miserable there in Babylon. God sends them another prophet in Babylon, this man called Ezekiel. And God gives to Ezekiel visions, visions of judgment to correct the Israelites, but also visions of hope that the Israelites might know that God has not finished with them. He will yet restore their fortunes. So Ezekiel's message, which lasted over 20 years, his first vision that he had is in the year 593, in July 593. The last vision that Ezekiel had was in April 573. So during those 20 years, Ezekiel ministered to the exiles there in Babylon. And he spoke messages of judgment and messages of hope. But all the time, he was telling them, God will yet do something for you. He will restore you. And the vision that starts it all off when Ezekiel was 30 years of age is, is written down in chapter 1. And it's an amazing vision. Ezekiel chapter 1. In my 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day, quite precise, while I was among the exiles by the river Kiba, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. On the fifth of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiachin, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, the priest, the son of Buzi, by the river Kibar in the land of the Babylonians. There the hand of the Lord was on him. I looked, and I saw a violent storm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with flashing lightning and surrounded by brilliant light. The center of the fire looked like glowing metal, and in the fire was what looked like four living creatures. In appearance, their form was human. But each of them had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight. Their feet were like those of a calf and gleamed like burnished bronze. 
Under their wings, on their four sides, they had human hands. All four of them had faces and wings, and the wings of one touched the wings of another. Each one went straight ahead. They did not turn as they moved. Their faces looked like this. Each of the four had the face of a human being. And on the right side, each had the face of a lion. And on the left, the face of an ox. Each also had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces. They each had two wings spreading out upwards, each wing touching that of the creature on either side, and each had two other wings covering its body. Each one went straight ahead. Wherever the spirit would go, they would go, without turning as they went. The appearance of the living creatures was like burning coals of fire, or like torches. Fire moved back and forth among the creatures. It was bright, and lightning flashed out of it. The creatures sped back and forth like flashes of lightning. As I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the ground beside each creature with its four faces. This was the appearance and structure of the wheels. They sparkled like topaz, and all four looked alike. Each appeared to be made like a wheel intersecting a wheel. As they moved, they would go in any one of the four directions the creatures faced. The wheels did not change direction as the creatures went. Their rims were high and awesome, and all four rims were full of eyes all around. When the living creatures moved, the wheels moved beside them. And when the living creatures rose from the ground, the wheels also rose. Wherever the spirit would go, they would go. And the wheels would rise along with them, because the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. When the creatures moved, they also moved. When the creatures stood still, they also stood still. And when the creatures rose from the ground, the wheels rose along with them, because the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Spread out above the heads of the living creatures was what looked like looked something like a vault, sparkling like crystal and awesome. Under the vault, their wings were stretched out one towards the other, and each had two wings covering its body. When the creatures moved, I heard the sound of their wings, like the roar of rushing waters, like the voice of the Almighty, like the tumult of an army. When they stood still, they lowered their wings. Then there came a voice from above the vault over their heads as they stood with lowered wings. Above the vault over their heads was what looked like a throne of lapis lazuli. And high above on the throne was a figure like that of a man. I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal, as if full of fire, and that from there down he looked like fire, and brilliant light surrounded him, like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell face down, and I heard 
the voice of one speaking. This is the reading of God's true and trustworthy word. Well, verse 1 of Ezekiel chapter 1 tells us that Ezekiel had a vision. And visions are great things, for they inspire, motivate, and propel to action. Martin Luther King said, I have a dream. It's a dream for racial equality. William Tyndall, back in the 15th century, had this vision that the Bible should be put into the hand of the plowboy so the plowboys could read the Scriptures, teach them to read and teach them the Scriptures. William Carey in the 19th century, he had a vision as well, a vision to expect great things from God, to attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. And so he went to India and spread the Word of God as far and wide as he could. These visions are motivating and helpful to us as we seek to serve the Lord. I'm not talking about a vision that would give you extra scripture or revelation like that. The Bible is complete, true, and trustworthy. But rather those kind of things that God gives you that you really want to do for him. However, for Ezekiel, it was scripture. And what we see in chapter 1 of Ezekiel is a vision of God. That's what he says. In my 30th year, in the fourth month of the fifth day, while I was among the exiles of the river Kibar, the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. This is the highest vision ever. Awesome, overwhelming, and breathtaking. And Ezekiel needed this vision because of the demanding task that God was going to give him for the next 20 years. So right at the beginning of that ministry, when Ezekiel is just 30 years old, then, I say just 30 years old, when I first preached this, I said, 30 years old? It's young. <laughs> so when he's had this, it was a vision that would inspire him for the next 20 years of his life. Provisions do that. Visions can direct our life. They can be like the steering wheel of a car or the handlebars on a bike, directing us where we should go. And Ezekiel's vision helped him no end. Obviously, the vision of God is to control everything. And your vision of God as well, and my vision of God, it will control so much about our lives. If we've got a small vision of God and see God as weak and incapable and tiny, then our life and our service and our work for Him will also be small and tiny. If we don't have big dreams, we'll attempt nothing. But if we've got a big vision of God as great and strong and mighty and beautiful, then our life will reflect that as well. So the vision that God gave Ezekiel was obviously really totally relevant for him, but also for us. And I hope that we'll see that as we work our way through this vision uh, this evening. This vision was given to Ezekiel in chapter 1, verse 1, right at the beginning of his ministry. And he actually dates it there. It's a specific day in a specific place. And he got it when he was 30 years old, four months and five days he actually refers back to this vision in 
when it, seven days later in chapter 3, he then refers back to this vision one year, one month later in chapter 10. And then he refers back to this vision in chapter 43, 10 years and five months later. So this vision that God gave him controlled and helped his whole ministry. And it's great for us to have such a vision of God so that our life might be controlled in a wonderful way to serve him. So, we're going to look at this vision in under three parts, under three parts. And the first part is this, the living creatures. This is verses 4 to 14, and here Ezekiel sees God as holy and righteous. Holy and righteous, the living creatures. So, the details of the vision are this, in verses 4 and 5, in the midst of a massive cloud, there's a general description of the appearance of these living creatures. And then in verses 10 to 14, there's a detailed description of these living creatures. Their faces are mentioned in verse 6. Their wings are mentioned in verse 6. We're told that they moved in verse 9. And we're told that they glowed in verse 4. And the description that's given is awesome. So, verse 10. Their faces looked like this. Each of the four had the face of a human being. And on the right side, each had the face of a lion. And on the left, the face of an ox. Each also had the face of an eagle. What do these creatures represent? For these creatures are not just an end in themselves. It's not just that God wanted to show Ezekiel these strange creatures with these strange faces. They were to point to something else, something bigger than the creatures themselves. Well, the creatures represent to us and to Ezekiel God's forces of judgment. See, the clouds in verse 4, they are ominous. I looked and I saw a violent storm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with flashing lightning and surrounded by brilliant light. That's ominous, these clouds of judgment gathering. And the faces in verse 10, you've got to admit, fairly frightening, aren't they, actually? For Ezekiel to see that, what did he feel? What did he think? The stern face of a man, not the face of a sweet little baby. The fierce face of a lion, not the sweet little face of a tame kitten. The face of a strong ox, not a cuddly calf. The face of a wild eagle, not a tame budgie. When Ezekiel saw these things, he knew that there was something serious and deep going on here. And the fire in verse 13, if you look at verse 13, the appearance of the living creatures was like burning coals of fire or like torches. So this fire, once again, was symbolic of God's judgment. The fire that was fallen on Sodom and Gomorrah in the Old Testament. 
So in the Bible, when God judges, he always employs means. He always uses agents. In the Passover, he used a destroying angel. In the book of Revelation, there are the four horses of the apocalypse. So God always uses agents for his judgment. And these creatures, they are creatures of God's judgment. It's a picture of a holy, just, and righteous God who judges sin and rebellion. Now, Ezekiel needed to know this. He had to preach a message of God's judgment on Israel. And most people, if you should read the book, most people would ridicule him, count him silly, or ignore him. But Ezekiel knew better. Because right at the beginning of his ministry, he knew the forces of judgment were coming. And we need to know as well about the forces of judgment. We need to know about a holy, righteous God. Of course, the world would laugh at the idea of judgment. Always has, but it always will. And today, because people cut off this holy, righteous God of judgment, therefore, literally anything goes. There's idolatry and immorality and sin abounds, and no one stands up and says, this is wrong. Indeed, the whole culture, really, or becoming the culture of our nation and of the world in many ways is, well, if it's all right for you, it's all right. Okay, I won't say anything about that because I don't want to hurt you. We live in a woke world, and, and uh, okay, if it feels good for you, you go ahead and you do it. With no reference at all to God's holy laws and scriptures, just, yeah, if it makes you feel good, if that's what you're about, then that's okay. It's not what God says. God has his laws. They are good laws. They're laws to make us live life to the full. If those laws are broken... Judgment comes, and Ezekiel sees this, and Ezekiel knows this, and we need to know as well that God has set a day wherein he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed, Jesus Christ. So this needs to form part of our vision of God. You have a vision of God of some kind or other. Hopefully, we will see him as we're looking this morning as a kind God. But also, we see him here as a holy and as a righteous God. We need to see God in that way as Ezekiel saw him. It's the first part of our vision. God is holy and God is is righteous. The second part of Ezekiel's vision involves these massive wheels in verses 15 to 21. And these show us that God is alive and active on planet Earth. Alive and active. The details of those wheels are described in verses 15 to 18. And the movement of those wheels are in verses 19 to 21. Now, I'm not an engineer in any way at all, and I just can't work out how these wheels all kind of fit together. That, it totally blows my mind. I know back in, I think it was the 60s or the 70s, there was a guy who read Ezekiel and uh, thought that they were UFOs. He called them the chariot of the gods. 
Well, they are rather confusing, these, these wheels. They're certainly not UFOs. What are they? What do they ref represent? This, this craftsmanship, this sparkling material, this abundance of eyes upon the rims of the wheels. It must have been quite a sight, these high rims. What does it show us, these wheels? Shows us that God is mobile. God is not stuck in one place, like the local deities of Babylon, stuck in one place. And also the gods of the land, when Israel went into it, there were local deities, there were gods of the valleys and gods of the hills, and that's where they were gods of. But this shows us that God is a God over the whole world, and our God is not stationary, our God is not static. The Jews tended to tie God to the temple in Jerusalem. But God was showing that he was with them in Babylon. He had moved with them. God is not like a, a, a Buddha statue immobile, not like Hindu gods that are stuck. It's the reason why we mustn't make any graven image, because it is stuck. But our God is alive. Our God is active. Our God moves. Yes, God moves in mysterious ways, his wonders to pro proclaim. God moves. He's not stuck in one place and in one time. And Ezekiel needed to know that. As Ezekiel was there away from the temple in Jerusalem, his homeland, and there with the people in Babylon, Ezekiel needed to know that God had moved with him. God would actually leave the temple Chapter 10 of Ezekiel tells us that. And then chapter 43 tells us that God returns to the temple. But meanwhile, between leaving and returning, God is with them in Babylon, in their exile. God is with them. And we need to know it. This needs to form part of our daily vision of God. God has moved with me. He is with me on my front line. We've got a, a vision of frontline ministry. And sometimes we can think, okay, we have a, a quiet time. Maybe you have that in the morning. You do your Bible reading. You do your prayer. You do your amens. And then you think, well, the amen is goodbye, God. I'm on my own now. But it's not. God says it's not goodbye. I'm coming with you. I'm coming with you to the office. I'm coming with you to the workplace. God is not stuck in the area where you have your quiet time. God is not stuck in this building He's with us as we go out to our front lines. God is not stuck in one place or in one time or in one land. God is not stuck to one age. He's not stuck to the age of Ezekiel. He's not stuck to the age of the Acts of the Apostles. He's not stuck to the age of the 18th century or the Puritans. He's with us today in our crazy day and age. And that needs to form part of our vision of God. You know, there was a, a philosopher of the 20th century, early 20th century, who said that God is dead. We've killed him, you and I. God is dead. But we need to see that God is alive and God is moving. And therefore, there's great possibilities with the living, alive, active God Wherever you are, God is with you. And that vision gives us hope, courage, 
and possibilities. So, Ezekiel's vision had, first of all, the vision of a holy, righteous God. Had, secondly, that God is alive and God is active. Thirdly and finally, you know, if we dug into all these details, we'd be here forever. <laughs> Absolutely fascinating. It's kind of just an overview of this vision. So the third and final part of this vision is of the throne of God. Verses 22 to 28. Ezekiel sees God as majestic and beautiful. Majestic and beautiful. Ezekiel looks above the heads of the creatures. Let's read now, verse 22. Spread out above the heads of the living creatures was what looked like something like a vault, sparkling like crystal and awesome. Under the vault, their wings were stretched out one towards the other, and each had two wings covering its body. When the creatures moved, I heard the sound of their wings, like the roar of rushing waters, like the voice of the Almighty, like the tumult of an army. When they stood still, they lowered their wings. So Ezekiel now looks above the heads of these living creatures. In looking above their heads, there must have been something absolutely amazing. Because if Ezekiel had seen these living creatures with their four faces and these wheels with eyes all around, where would, where would you be looking? You think, I can't take my eyes off that. Wow, I'm, I'm trying to work this out. Your eyes would be stuck on the wheels and the creatures unless there was a greater vision. And Ezekiel sees something greater than these creatures and the wheels. What does he see? He sees a throne, verse 25. Then there came a voice from above the vault over their heads as they stood with lower wings. He's looking over their heads. Above the vault, over their heads. He's mentioned this three times now. His eyes have gone and fixed elsewhere. Above the vault, over their heads, was what looked like a throne of lapis lazuli. And high above on the throne was a figure like that of a man. And there was someone seated. Verse 27. I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal as if full of fire. And that from there down, he looked like fire. And brilliant light surrounded him, like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day. So was the radiance around him. Now, many of those things that are mentioned there are actually brought up in Revelation chapter 1 about John's vision of God. can also be transferred to the Mount of Transfiguration when the three apostles saw the risen Lord Jesus, the, the Lord Jesus Christ as he really was. And what Ezekiel is seeing here is a foretaste of the Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a vision. It's a vision of God, but with careful boundaries. Look at the three steps that Ezekiel is removed. At the end of verse 28, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. So he's not saying that he saw the Lord. 
He's saying that he saw the glory of the Lord. But he's not even saying that. He's saying, I have seen the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. There's a few steps removed for no one can see God and live. But what does it mean? It must have been absolutely awesome to take his eyes off those other things and put his eyes on the throne above. There must have been something absolutely awesome about this. This vision, this part of the vision, shows God as a God of majesty and beauty and hope and sovereignty. God is not dull or uninteresting. God is full of splendor, radiance, and bright. He glows. And God is full of hope. The rainbow that Ezekiel saw around there is reminiscent of the rainbow that God gave to Noah. And the rainbow that God gave to Noah was a rainbow of hope. I will never flood the world again. It's a covenant of life. A rainbow amidst the judgment. A rainbow to show that God is a God of hope. And Ezekiel needed to know this just as much as Ezekiel needed to know that God was a God of judgment and that God was a God who was alive and active with him. Ezekiel needed to know that God was all glorious. Now, we're not quite sure where Ezekiel lived in Babylon, but we know Babylon itself was quite splendid. It was one of the wonders of the world to have the, the hanging gardens of Babylon. It took people's breath away. People traveled, traveled for miles to go and see Babylon. But Ezekiel sees something better than Babylon. He sees the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Therefore, hope and beauty and majesty. And we need to see that as well in our vision of God. We need to see that God is a God of hope, that we do not need to despair that we're living in a hopeless world. And maybe our condition and situation might seem hopeless at times, but God is not hopeless. God is a God of hope, rainbow. We need to see that God rules okay. We live in a, a confusing world. Internationally, it's confusing, and individually, our lives might be confusing, but God is on a throne. He rules. And God is existing in absolute glorious splendor and majesty. The Christian writer Tim Keller, who is now with the Lord, absent from the body and with the Lord, Tim Keller would, would have this thing that he would often say, he would say that God must not just be useful to you, he must be beautiful to you. For if you find God just useful, then you will treat him like a commodity. But if you find God beautiful, you will worship him. And that's what Ezekiel sees, a God who is not just useful, but a God who is beautiful. And we long to see the glory of the Lord. We can see it now in the Lord Jesus Christ as we read the Scriptures. For there the deity was made flesh, and there we see the glory of God. But one day we will see it with our very eyes. 
Well, this was Ezekiel's vision of God. It was a great vision of a great God, a righteous and holy God who will judge iniquity, a God who is alive and moving and dwells with his people, and a God who is majestic and glorious and stuns us with his beauty. And it motivated Ezekiel for his life and his ministry. And may we have a similar vision of God in our life and our ministry, a vision that amazes us, a vision to direct us and our life, a vision to inspire us on our front lines and to engage us in our Christian ministry. God is beautiful. God is alive. God is holy. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this vision that Ezekiel had that you gave him to help him and encourage him. Lord, we pray that our vision of you would not shrink to the size of our faith, but would expand to the volume of Scripture so that we might see you in this way and therefore our life and our ministry might reflect your glory, life, and holiness. Thank you, Lord, for that great and wonderful truth. Our sins, they are many. Your mercy is more. Lord, now we pray that as we go out to our front lines tonight or this coming week, that you would be with us. Thank you that you will be. Thank you that you move with us, alongside us. As Jesus promised, I am with you always to the end of the age. So may we know your grace, your love, and your peace and kindness as we seek to minister to a world that is quite mad at times. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.